You're listening to episode 82 of The STEM Space. Today, we're talking about rockets. Listen in for all the ways that you can launch them and use them in your classroom. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Claire. Hey, how's it going? Good. I think the time has come for us to talk about rockets. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. I mean, our life, our life story revolves around rockets, right? <laughs> why we got into aerospace engineering, why a lot of people do. And in current events, I mean, there's a lot of things going on with rockets. We've got Artemis launch, hopefully, eventually. <laughs> Maybe when this podcast comes out. It will have launched, but yes. they have delayed it a few times already. My parents flew to the launch in Florida and were very oh. sad because they woke up at one in the morning to get to the launch site because they had like the really fancy VIP seats. Oh, man. And they sat there until like 5 a.m. and then they're like canceled. <laughs> that is so sad. So I've been to one rocket launch. I went to a Ooh. shuttle launch, the last one. Wow. Uh, and I didn't sleep the whole night before because I was just watching the weather. I was like, please, please let it, please let it launch. This is the only time I'm going to get to see this because it's the last shuttle. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was incredible because the, they kept delaying it. And then there was like a hole, like a literal hole that you could see in the clouds. And they're like, this is our window. And they launched it. And it was beautiful. I cried. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. What was that like experience? Where were you standing? in a massive crowd of people on at Cape Canaveral. So on the coast and you could just see in the distance on the launch pad, the shuttle and like, it, it was just a surreal moment when everybody starts counting down and you're like, okay, where, who started this? You know, we're all like watching on our phones, like trying to figure this out. This is 2011. Uh, and making sure we're all in sync, but it's this massive crowd and we're all counting down. And then you, of course, light travels faster than sound. So you see it launch and then you like feel it launch. Whoa. There's like this whoosh, like, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to you describe it. You could feel it. and hear it even though you were that far away. Oh yeah. And then you just see it, this like shining beacon go through the clouds and disappear. It was incredible. In the hole in the clouds. In the hole in the clouds, yes. <laughs> Were there big screens on, like, could you see? No. It was just what you saw physically from that yes. distance. Which I think that's the best way to do it. Because otherwise, like, I, f I feel like if you watch a major uh, sporting event, like if you're at a football stadium, half the people are staring at the Jumbotron. It's like, dude, just stay home, save your money, <laughs> and watch it on your TV. But at this launch, there's no screens or anything. And at the time, I guess people weren't as into their phones as they are now. I don't know. <laughs> Not everybody's but, holding them up. That's right. Yeah. Nobody was, everybody was just looking at, at the launch. So it's like, took you back to probably in the um, early space program, the Apollo days when people just watched, mm. it was just really cool. How can we take that amazing experience of rocket launches to our students 
that is what I try to do. We always talk about how some kids, their spark or that, that moment when they decide, hey, I want to be a part of something like this is when they first launch a model rocket. Mm-hmm. So trying to provide those experiences that are not just uh, hollow, because I feel like a lot of times you're like, oh, the um, look at this shiny thing, but there's no real substance with like the science content to it. So trying to incorporate all of that in a STEM program is so important. And so I do that a lot. I know you do this a lot with rockets. We have launched Estes rockets. Of course, that's the mm-hmm. cool thing to do. I feel like there, it's hard a lot of times to incorporate a lot of science with that because it's just that's just cool. I do um, it because it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll talk about free body diagrams mm-hmm. and forces, but I really, I use it as a celebration. Yes. So I always do model rockets at the end in the spring and they go through building it through this Estes rocket. And there's like so many different levels. So if you're just new to rockets, just get that beginner. It's the alpha three, I think alpha mm-hmm. two I don't know. alpha rocket. It's orange and black. And it's really easy to put together, but there's like so many different types and you could get way more advanced, but it's, you have to follow the directions. Do not make it a design challenge where (laughs) they attach things to it or try to lift a payload because these are meant to use the very specific materials in the kit Mm -hmm. with an actual engine, like a little thing, a gunpowder that you light on fire. (laughs) Yes, which is awesome. And it's recoverable, so you can keep launching it over and over again, which is cool. Well, unless it lands somewhere, (laughs) you can't recover. Okay, that's true. I lost one in a tree in May. I did. So sad it's still there. Uh, And I've also not, okay, so I ran out of wadding one time. Uh Uh-oh. Which is the tissue papery stuff that protects the recovery system from being burnt up. So I thought, well, it kind of looks like tissue paper. Can I just use tissue paper? You cannot just use tissue paper. (laughs) What happened? Uh, So that is flammable. And so it, I guess, burnt and then melted the parachute. So the parachute was melted inside the nose of the rocket. And so it uh, didn't have a parachute. So it plummeted to the ground and got really crumpled, which was cool to see. (laughs) because then we could talk about stability and how like the pointy end of a rocket should always be going forwards and that definitely went forwards right into the ground Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that good lesson for teachers always take failure and use that as a lesson and do not replace the wadding with (laughs) it serves a purpose it does it's very specifically engineered (laughs) Uh, but I also did water rockets, and I know you've done this before. I did that in the spring for the first time. I wrote a grant for it through the Air Force Association and was able to buy the kits from Pitsco, and it was really fun. Now, what was your experience in using the water rockets? Yeah, it's been a few years um, because my goal with the water rockets was to make it more of an engineering and science project, right? Mm. You cannot mess with the Estes model rockets, so they're fun to blast off at the end of the year. It's really cool. But the water rockets, my intention was a design challenge. So they had to safely carry a payload of an egg, and they got to design their rocket with nose cone, recovery system, fins, like the whole thing. And it was really fun. Um, It definitely takes time to walk them through how to build it and different options and like trying to understand how to incorporate the science to it. 
Um, and you need to really practice the launching part. I remember we had some like launch fails. Mm-hmm. What, a, what was your experience? Yeah, the launch fails. That's a huge deal. And, you know, it's not really as much the kid's fault. Like it's, there's like a lot of failure modes with that whole process yeah. mm-hmm. and the trigger not sitting correctly on the water bottle. It so it, and it can be devastating and the kids get really disappointed, but it's also good lessons in failure. Uh, we learned not to paint in certain places because we had the kids decorate them and the paint would slip on the place that's supposed to hold on to the bottle. Ooh. So that was not good. Uh, but getting to talk about different types of propulsion and seeing how that actually works and why you do a certain amount of water versus air inside the bottle. So there's a a lot you can talk about with rockets that I think is really surprising to people. It's not just uh, forces, right? Mm -hmm. There's just, just so much, but forces is usually primary way that we teach rockets. We do the straw rockets, which I think we've talked about on this podcast a lot because the Pitsco straw rocket launcher is like my favorite thing ever. Same with you. All my STEM nights have them. (laughs) Yes. We're using it on our STEM night next week. Uh, And so we usually do that first before doing the bigger rockets that are more complicated because you can adjust variables really easily with the straw rockets on how many fins you have or how much of a nose cone you have, the length of the body tube, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that we're trying to teach don't really correlate with what we are actually building on this size of a rocket. Like, for example, drag. I think that's a big misconception, right? Are you leading me into my drag experiment? I am because I'm dying to know how you did this. (laughs) Okay, so... this You could consider this activity called What a Drag. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Okay. Have you done the balloon rocket activity yes. with your students? Oh, yeah. Okay. Set that up for our listeners. How does that look? So the typical way that you do a balloon rocket experiment is you have a string that goes horizontally across the room from like two chairs mm-hmm. and you have a straw on that string. So it slides along the string and then you tape a balloon horizontally onto that straw fill it up with air so that and don't tie it so that when you let go of where the air comes out of a balloon it shoots down the string because it's being gliding with the straw on the string yes you got it I have used this a few times with outreach presentations for like little kids like kindergarten first grade and we'll have kids hold it on either end of the classroom and then the balloon like goes shooting across everybody's (laughs) head and they freak out and it's so fun And then we talk about uh, action-reaction. So the action of the air leaving the balloon is propelling the balloon in the opposite direction of the air. So the air goes backwards, the balloon goes forward. Um, So yeah, it's a great little activity. And I know some teachers turn it into a design challenge to see how quickly you can get that balloon to the other end. But there is this big thing that is missing <laughs> from this activity. And this is how you can introduce um, this concept, which I gave you a hint in the title. I do it with two strings now. So I will take two strings and two balloons. So you need to set two balloon rocket tracks up. So both horizontal. You will do a small balloon, like say about 
four inches and then a really, really big balloon, like as big as you can get it. Like, you know, if you can get a foot in diameter, I'd be impressed, but like a stretchy balloon. So you want a really big one and a smaller one. And you're going to ask your students, which of these balloons will get to the end of the string first? Mm. What do you think they're going to say? They're going to say the bigger one. Why would the bigger one get to the end first? Is more air. So there's more propulsion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so you set these up. And I did this with Madeline, my daughter, when she was three. Um, and so I was like, which one's going to get to the end? And it was so much fun. And guess what? The smaller one got to the end <gasps> first. Crazy. And, right? And all the students are like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Because it just like doesn't make sense in your head. Mm -hmm. action reaction you told me that the force of the air is pushing the balloon now i have more force well this is where you can get in some fun rocket science stuff and this is where we have a lot of misconceptions because we don't teach about this really important force called drag drag you got it um so one way to introduce drag is dropping different objects at the same time, because we often talk about this experiment of, oh, well, you're on the moon. You drop a feather and a hammer, right? It's like the famous experiment. Is it a hammer? I thought it was like a brick. On the moon? I thought, well, I, <laughs> I thought it was a hammer. You, I don't know. You bring a, a brick rock. to the moon? I don't know. <laughs> Something heavy. Bowling ball. It's a bowling ball. They've done the bowling ball that's <laughs> in the, like a vacuum chamber. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. But are you noticing that there's like all these special things in the scenario? Like you're on the moon, you're in a vacuum, right? And you're dropping objects of different weight because students are learning in science that all things drop at the same rate, which is mm -hmm. the rate of gravity. Because we're not talking about drag and it <laughs> drives me crazy that we in this world know about drag. You stick your hand out the window and you notice drag. You throw a football versus like a brick. <laughs> Hopefully don't do that. But drag isn't everything, right? The shape of our car, the shape of our airplanes. Kids like intuitively understand drag and then we knock it out of them <laughs> in science class and we're like... There's only idealized forces. Assume these, nothing. Assume nothing. <laughs> and that is very confusing. And I would like to advocate for drag, not just to be a sentence in a textbook, because I looked it up. I looked up the middle school science textbook here in Texas that the, well, in San Antonio, what they use. It does talk about drag in one sentence. What? And then everything else is idealized. Like everything else is all objects fall at the same rate and we ignore drag. All that to say, the reason why the big balloon doesn't go as fast is it has a larger surface area. And that drag is slowing it down more than the much smaller balloon. There, you can get really complicated with this. Like you can make this a high school experiment where you can talk about actually graphing the different sizes and how the drag coefficient changes. You can also think about the material properties of the balloon. So when I blow up, I know, because it's an elastic force now. We have never talked about that on balloon rockets, but when you're blowing up the balloon, the more you blow it up, the more it wants to compress, right? So it's mm -hmm. gonna push the air faster out. So it's like a tricky little added um, piece to it. Also, the size of the, the end of the balloon, I'm trying to think of the nozzle. Yes. Doing that in our rocket experiments as undergrads. 
So the size of the nozzle of the balloon mm-hmm. matters. And so if you maybe have a balloon that you've used a lot, that's become extra stretchy and the nozzle's gotten bigger. There are so many variables that when I started thinking through this, like mm-hmm. I brought in my husband, who's a mechanical engineering professor, and he bad went idea. down. It was a bad idea. <laughs> it was a very bad idea. He started pulling research papers that there are scientists out there that have researched balloon forces. <laughs> of course. Of course, right? So let's simplify it. (laughs) So what you can do, and there is a video on how to do this lab with your students. It's on the Vilify YouTube channel, so check it out. Um, But the idea is bringing in this concept of drag and introducing it through a balloon rocket. You can have them do experiments on how the size, um, you can optimize that size to get to the end faster because you do need enough air to get to the end but you can think of it more as like gas in your tank right if i have a full tank i will get there um, i can go farther but i don't get there faster Mm. right that's like your balloon it's the air and the balloon is like gas in your tank so now you kept using the word horizontal Mm -hmm. right but does a rocket fly horizontally a real hopefully not i mean that's happened before and people die so yeah no. Yeah. And so why are we doing the balloon rocket horizontally? I have always wondered that. <laughs> and it's very confusing. Chairs are horizontal. That's why. That's true. It is actually tricky. a lot easier. To- <laughs> yeah. So I propose for our listeners that you start horizontally. You can talk about forces and then you say, well, how does a real rocket fly? And you pull up you know, a NASA, the Artemis, the SLS rocket, um, and you talk about the forces on that rocket, and then you turn your balloon rocket up and down. And so the way I did it is I put a pin in the ceiling, or you could tie it in one of those like tile joint things, Uh whatever you got on your ceiling, and then just have it hang down. You could tape it to the floor or to a chair. It's the exact same setup. But there is now going to be this different type of forces, right? So what are our forces going up now with this balloon going up? So you've got thrust, which is the same as you had before from the air coming out of the balloon. And then now you have the weight or the force of gravity that is now going against that thrust vector. Yeah. And that's the big deal. Yeah. And so before it was kind of canceling out with the string, right? It was just Mm -hmm. setting on the string. So you had to think more about friction. Here, friction isn't as big of a deal, but the weight. So now when I increase the size of my balloon, I have Mm -hmm. more of that gas in the tank, but I have more weight. So it's going to slow it down. And then I have a lot more drag. So it, it adds a different element to it. And so then I would encourage students to optimize this new rocket system and try to get their um, balloon to the top the fastest was the the challenge. That's awesome. I really like that. I, it would be best with a like a taller ceiling because that's a really uh, short amount of time to to get accurate <laughs> when you're trying to time right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true because you have to stand there and kind of watch what it does. And the way I did the horizontal one in order for them to test the two is having two at the same time. Mm, And so you could do that. Mm -hmm. But if you have a shorter ceiling, just have two and then just watch which one hits. Yes. (laughs) The end first is probably a little better. Yes. 
That's really awesome. And usually how I've done this experiment in the past is make it to where there's another balloon on the other end of the string that you try to pop. So they have to make an engineering design challenge then also to have enough force by the time it gets to the end where your rocket balloon can pop the other one by attaching like toothpicks or something else mm -hmm. to the front of it. So that's really fun. Don't do that with little kids, um, but <laughs> yeah. it works well with middle school. I agree. Yes. That's, that's really fun. The other one I've seen is the two-stage rocket. Have you ever done oh, that? Oh, yeah. No, I've always wanted to, though. Tell me about that. I haven't done it either, but oh. I, <laughs> so my imagining of it <laughs> mm -hmm. is that the second balloon is attached to the first. So when the first one goes down, like the air goes out, it allows mm -hmm. the second balloon's air, like the, mm -hmm. it opens it up. I don't know. Have the kids figure it out. Tell them they need <laughs> to make a two-stage uh, balloon rocket. Now, I did have them one time make it to where their rocket had to drop a payload on a target, like that was halfway between the chairs. Oh, that's so cool. that was interesting because I was like, I don't actually know how you would do this well. That's why I want y'all to figure this out. <laughs> How'd they do? They did really well. It was They actually ended up incorporating a robot that was mm -hmm. driving in the opposite direction. So there was a Ooh. string attached. They had to drop a ping pong ball into a bowl that was in the middle. So they had a rocket, uh, I'm sorry, a robot that they would drive going against the direction of the balloon. But there was a string tied in between the two that would release a flap on the bottom of a cup that was dangling from the balloon rocket. Are you picturing this? No. <laughs> okay, so it's like a, a blimp. You know how blimp okay, has okay. like the little place where the people are underneath uh -huh. it? Yeah. So that was a cup with a ping pong ball in it. And so when they released the rocket, that blimp was coming at you while you're driving a robot that's attached to a string to a flap on the bottom of the blimp on the bottom of the cup Dang. to release the ping pong ball. So as they crossed in the middle, the flap <laughs> was pulled down and open to drop the ping pong ball into the bowl. It was pretty genius. I wish I would have filmed that. Oh. <laughs> That is awesome because that is like teamwork, communication. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Lots and, of things. And that's the thing with rockets. I mean, we've just given like a whole bunch of different examples. I encourage you to think first on your objectives on why you want to use rockets. So if you just want it to be like flashy, have fun, end of year celebration, probably model rockets. Mm -hmm. Straw rockets are also a great way to just like have some fun, but you can really dig into like the math concepts there. The balloon rocket, I love it for doing science concepts, doing variables. There's just so many different directions. Design challenges with all of these can definitely work, except for Estes. I don't recommend. Um, yeah, don't do that. Unless you're in that competition, the team America America rocketry, rocketry tart challenge tart. Okay, yes, that's the one where you're building a real rocket and modifying it like we did in college yeah it's <laughs> you looked into it right I did and I was like uh no my <laughs> kids are not ready <laughs> I mean we at that time we went through seventh grade and it's more for high school so it's definitely yeah. yeah yeah and this is where you can build up those skills though with these like simpler rocket challenges and then don't forget about the careers talking about aerospace engineering um all the other there's so many different types of engineers that work on rockets so we claim we're like the rocket scientists right <laughs> yes but no we're not really yeah. right it's really yeah. the
people who do the chemistry and the propulsion. And That's the... what I was thinking. Chemical engineers are the ones that actually make the fi- the rocket go. <laughs> yes, I feel bad for them. They're not. They don't have any claim to being rocket science scientists. Do you remember the professor that was like, "This is the class where you are a rocket scientist." That sounds familiar. What was that? <laughs> it was propulsion with Dr. Chisholm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um, tried to block that course out of my memory. <laughs> it was all equations. It was all like the propulsion equations that we had That's to learn. right. Like officially rocket scientists from taking this class. Okay. I have pictures of us next to big engines. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, your students can be rocket scientists if they don't have harbor these misconceptions about not having drag. So there you go. Include drag (laughs) and do rockets. (laughs) And we're going to link a bunch of resources here in the show notes. I actually wrote a whole series of blog posts on model rockets. If you want to do that activity with your students, we also have a Google Drive where I put Mm. all of my resources. It's totally free. The PowerPoints, the lesson plans that I did, all of that is there for you to use. Um, So we encourage you to go out there and use rockets to launch your students into STEM. (laughs) You like that? Yes. All right. STEM space out.